Welcome. My name is Quanta Jeffries, and this is Living Theology. Well, it's been a little while since the last episode. Took a little summer hiatus, which then turned into a longer hiatus. But coming back to it now at the beginning of the year is things are starting up again. I'd like to, over the next few episodes, focus on that connection between the Incarnation and the Eucharist and the reasons for the Incarnation. And before we start, on that in particular, I'd like to encourage you to take a moment the next time that you are before the Blessed Sacrament to remind yourself of the immensity and awesomeness of the mystery in whose presence you are, in whose presence you have been brought. Being before the Eucharist means that we're before the Incarnate One, crucified and risen, the second person of the Holy Trinity. But not just before Him. He said to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father. The Son and the Father are inseparable. By being in the presence of the Son, we have also been brought into the presence of the Father. Yes, of course, a different presence, not the same as his Son in the Eucharist, but a real presence nonetheless. Looking upon Jesus Christ, we see the Father. This applies to us gazing upon our Eucharistic Lord today just as much as it did to the Apostles gazing upon his face 2,000 years ago. In the presence of the Holy Eucharist, we have been brought into the presence of the Holy Trinity. In a previous episode, I spoke of the Eucharist being a continuation of the Son's incarnation, a continuation of his physical bodily presence here on earth. And therefore, every reason for the incarnation, of which there are four, also applies to the blessed sacrament of the altar. And in that same episode, I looked particularly at the third reason which is to be our model of holiness. Today, I'd like to take a look at the first reason for the Incarnation in relation to the Eucharist. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it states, The Word became flesh for us in order to save us by reconciling us with God. 
So the first reason for the incarnation, for the Son of God becoming man, is to save us. But the Catechism doesn't stop there. It doesn't just say that the Word became flesh in order to save us. It continues on. It extends the statement to include what salvation entails by reconciling us with God. So salvation entails reconciliation. How is this reconciliation brought about? In the first antiphon of evening prayer for Wednesday of the 14th week of ordinary time, we pray, eagerly we await the fulfillment of our hope, the glorious coming of our Savior. The reconciliation of God and man is first achieved in the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The fulfillment of our hope is, first and foremost, accomplished in Him. In Him, divinity and humanity are joined in an inseparable union. So in Himself, God and man are reconciled. But there is still the question of how we enter into that union and reconciliation. The incarnation is not the end game. The paschal mystery, the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, that is the end game. And it's in this, the paschal mystery, that the gates of heaven are open to us. That we enter into the mystery of the union of the divine and human in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is in the paschal mystery that we are reconciled with God. So again, thinking of that immensity of that mystery of the Holy Eucharist in relation to this. When we are before the Eucharist, we do not simply sit before Jesus Christ. We sit before Jesus Christ, crucified and risen. When we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we are not simply receiving Jesus Christ. We are receiving him crucified and risen. We don't just partake in what Jesus is, his divinity and humanity, but we partake also in what he did. We partake in his paschal mystery, his saving work, the work of reconciliation, that work through which we are reconciled with God. And in receiving him, we receive and we partake in his suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Jesus Christ sits in glory at the right hand of the Father. And in receiving the Holy Eucharist, we receive and partake in that glory. And it's this above all else that lies at the center of the Holy Eucharist.
Its primary reason for being given to us is to reconcile us with God. It is a reconciliation brought about through suffering and death. Christ died that we might have life. He rose that we might have life eternally. It's not just this mystery of his dying and rising that's made present before us. But in receiving the Eucharist, this mystery is made present in us. In receiving the Holy Eucharist, we die and rise in Jesus Christ. And this is why we still suffer death. Jesus died for us and vanquished death, yet, while we live eternally, we must still die in time. While we enter into the life of the Spirit, we must still die in the body. Christ paid the debt in full, but we pay it with him. We are not separated from his suffering and death. Suffering and death are a condition for life from which no one is exempt and there are absolutely no exceptions to this rule jesus christ is the way but following the way is not following a philosophical and disciplinary system like a buddhist following the way is to pick up our cross daily and follow him we follow him not through mere imitation but by being joined to him so that his work is our work. His will is our will. It is in Christ alone who in his suffering and death gives meaning to our suffering and death. Apart from him, our suffering has no meaning. Apart from him, our death is nihilism. Without suffering in his suffering and dying in his dying, we cannot rise in his rising. Now, this isn't an easy thing. But I think of those times in my life when I was most overwhelmed, when I was in greatest uncertainty, weighed with fear or sadness or anger. It was only when I gave myself to him, only when I turned my anxiety to Jesus Christ, that I was free even though I was still enveloped by everything causing such great distress. And it's important to emphasize that. All of that is still there, and yet it's no longer heavy. Every time there has been a resurrection, a new walk, when I do this. These moments are signposts of the resurrection that awaits me after my death and the reconciliation with God that I now enjoy. So this brings me to ask what I think is a fundamental question for all Christians. And we have to be able to answer this in our lives. How do we experience this salvation through reconciliation concretely in our lives? 
It's one thing to believe that Jesus suffered and died for us. It's another to know this in the concrete reality of our lives. Not just to be convinced of it in our mind, but to have actually experienced this so that we could actually identify substantial things in our life that are signs of this reconciliation. For myself, one of those things is my time before the Eucharist, being in the peace of his Eucharistic presence. It's one place in which the first reason for the incarnation is palpable in my life. Thank you, and God bless you all.